Hello and welcome to These Are the Voyages. This episode of These Are the Voyages is brought to you by Old Friends and Brotherhood. Thank you. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm Captain Chase McKinney and I am so excited about today's episode. Um, I have a very old friend, a dear friend of mine. He's not that old. We're about the same age, but uh, we've known each other for a minute and um, he is part of the reason I blame him. You can blame him for for this um, since he's the one that basically is responsible for getting me into Star Trek Um um, outright. So uh, we're, we're going to meet him in just a few minutes. Uh, just a reminder that um, if you haven't connected with us on uh, social media yet on our Facebook uh, page and group, make sure to do that. You can look us up, um, just do a search in, in Facebook. We'll just make it really simple for these are the voyages. If you find the page, then you've also found the group. You just hit the button and that's where the, the conversation can continue. We have some, some shenanigans going on in there we have weird jokes we have random polls of stuff uh going on as well as just people hanging out having a good time so make sure you check us out there also uh, make sure you um find us on uh, social media as well uh instagram and twitter you can find us at trtv pod um, and then we'll talk about ways that you can uh, get a hold of us towards the end of the show beyond social media now like I was saying, this person, I've known him for a little while. We're going to get to know him for just a few minutes before we actually start talking Trek news and speculation and, and talking about whatever it is we want to talk about today. So without any further ado, I would like to uh, introduce you to my dear friend, Eric Christofferson. What is going on, Eric? How's it going, dude? Pretty good, Chase. I appreciate that. It's very nice that you're saying I got you into Star Trek. You kind of found it on your own, but... I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> you know, I just want to share the love. I mean, who else? No, it's good. It's yeah, good. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, I might have found it and stuff, but you, you nurtured it, right? I mean, you're like, here, here's my bootleg stuff. Watch it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I accept that. <laughs> now, uh, for those of you listening, um, Eric and I, we've we've known each other since high school. Um, we didn't really meet until I don't think we officially met until probably the end of our freshman year of high school. Whenever I was getting into order the arrow with the boy Scouts. Yeah. We had that class together in high school, but we didn't really talk to each other. Yeah. It wasn't until, until then, uh, you know, it took us an entire year of our first year of high school and driving 200, 150 to 200 miles north into uh, the upper part of Michigan for us to actually meet and say, hey. I think that's right. I think that's right. <laughs> so for anyone listening that might not be familiar with the Boy Scouts, um, at least with the Order of the Arrow, Order of the Arrow, is, otherwise known as OA, is uh, considered Scouting's National Honor Society. And um, it's it's a service society where you're chosen by... Uh, non-members to join this brotherhood of uh, cheerful uh, 
campers and, and, and leaders and things like that. And there's a bunch of hoopla and, you know, traditions that go along with it, like any other organization. And Eric and I, we, that was a big part of, of, um, our formative years, uh, both doing boy Scouts were both Eagle Scouts and also being very active in the OA. So, um, so yeah, yay OA. Yeah, that's, that's how we got to know each other and became friends was through the OA. Yeah. That's where it really took off. I mean, I think we were part of, we were definitely part of, um, I don't know, maybe not definitely, but we, we had like different crowds that we ran with in high school for the most part, uh, during the week, but on the weekends, it was totally different, like with camping and everything. I think I had a crowd like I'm definitely don't think I had a crowd but I understand what you're saying I was on the football team yeah and some other sports teams yeah and I wasn't I mean I was if I was doing any extracurricular stuff it was um like with drama like with the like doing drama stuff or it was with um oh crap what was that called um sad students against destructive decisions or something like that and that was like a newspaper so those were my, those were my things in high school. I wish I was like part of drama because I'm telling you, I love theater now. I'm actually trying to write a, a play right now. Actually, I'm trying to adapt a, a musical right and make a play right now. So I wish I had gotten started that early. Okay, we could have been friends that way. Hey, how about that? Okay, you brought it up. You didn't bring it up pre-show, so I got to know now. Tell me about this play, or is it like under wraps and you can't talk about it right no, now? No. No, no, no. So, uh, are, you, you're, are you familiar with American Idiot, the Green Day yeah. album? How it was made into like a Broadway mm-hmm. show. There's like a story there in this rock opera. So I don't know. I, I, I saw a version of it on YouTube. Like somebody had recorded the American Idiot play and they put it on YouTube and I watched it. And it was kind of entertaining. And I was like, started thinking, what other albums could like have like a story that you could turn into like a play like that. And so the one that I found was uh, Aqualung by Jethro Tull. It's not like as cohesive of a story sure. that runs through there, but there's definitely like something you could do there. And like the play would work as a series of like little five, five minute vignettes. Okay. I don't know how, that's how you pronounce that word. Vignettes. vignettes. Yeah. And then you would have like the song that would like follow the vignette and it would transition you into the next one. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. It's something that I find interesting, right? And I'm trying to do it. It's not coming along that great, but I'm trying. Hey, you know what? That's okay. If I I, I tell, I tell folks, I, I encourage folks all the time. If something, you know, in you, you know, brings joy to your life, if it fills the tank up, doesn't matter how, serious or silly it seems to other folks get after it man so i think i think that's great that you're you're doing something yeah. like that yeah it's, it's fun you know yeah something to challenge myself with yeah well you have to you have to let me know whenever you actually finish it and you know whenever it's at like the community theater or on broadway or something okay yeah well the thing is you know it's copyrighted piece of material so like I don't even know if you could theoretically perform it without getting permission from who holds the copyright. That's true. That's true. You'd have to like, you'd have to like say free show donations. Welcome. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
I mean, there's there's always that minor snag that you got to deal with, but eh, it's okay. Um, so, okay, so we were doing that. Um, so apart from, from high school and Boy Scouts, we also went to college together. Um, and, and we almost didn't go to college together um, there at first. I mean, we really didn't go to college at first together, honestly. Um, I think right after, after we graduated high school, you went off to, uh, Embry-Riddle. Is that right? No. Embry-Riddle was my second choice. I ended up going to Florida Tech. Okay. Okay. Which was down in Melbourne, Florida. That's right. It's a long way, long way from Michigan, right? Just a little bit, a little bit. Um, oh, it was, it was, um, Bryce, Bryce Harden. He went to Embry-Riddle, I think. Did yeah. he? I didn't know. Yeah, that. he went. I'm pretty sure he went to Embry Riddle. Yeah. That Embry Riddle was my second choice, but I did not know that about Bryce. Yeah. Um, I I see pictures of him every once in a while, but um, I haven't kept up with him, and I, I definitely didn't go to our our ten year reunion. Me neither. I didn't go to like that. the the people that I want to be in touch with for the most part. I can just send them a message or call them up and stuff if I really want to. Most of our class, I thought, were jerks and and snobs, and I wanted nothing to do with them. Oh, me too. Me too. I thought the same way. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's that's what you get for kind of living in, I guess, the town that we lived in at the time. It, it kind of had that, not completely, but it had that type of air about it to a certain extent. If you say so, right? I tried not to pay attention. Yeah, well, that's that's grand blank for you. So no offense to any of you grand blank people listening. If you are listening, sorry, you know, it's true though. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> oh, shoot. So, uh, um, you know, like we've talked about, um, before, uh, with, with Star Trek, um, there's, there's been a lot there was a lot that was going on for me in terms of when I, how I discovered it. But before we really get to that, um, you know, Star Trek went off the air in 2005, um, um, with, with like, Rip- yep, that was our the final year of enterprise was our senior year. Yes. Of yeah. So it went off the air in 2000, end of 2005, uh, thereabouts. And, um, we went, um, really four years without it, right? That's when the JJ Trek stuff came out or started coming out. It's May of 2009. Um, and then it wasn't, it was going to be like another seven and a half, eight ish years before, uh, Star Trek returned to television again. So, um, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts, um, on, on some of that stuff. Like, did you, did you enjoy like the JJ movies? I didn't, I did not enjoy them. I, maybe let me put it, put it this way. I think they're fine science fiction, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're good Star Trek. Sure. If that makes sure. sense. Because the JJ Abrams movies, I feel, and, and the whole Kelvin timeline, cause he didn't direct the third one. 
Um, those movies, to me, are more about action. Like, they're much more action-oriented movies. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to, like, have fights and shoot them up and blow them up. And to me, that's not what Star Trek is about. Right? Star Trek, to me, is about science, technology, exploration, diplomacy. And there's almost none of that in the Kelvin movies. Sure. So, if you wanted to call those movies something else... I think they'd be fine, but they don't work for me as Star Trek. Sure. And and especially especially the third one, the Star Trek Beyond. Okay. That one to me there's nothing Star Trek about that for me. But but that's just my opinion and if you like it, then then that's fine. Yeah. Like it's just not for me. Totally. Totally. And I think I, I, I'm sure that there were folks that grew up um, in the six or during the sixties run, the original run of of Star Trek, and they get to the eighties and they're like, "Who's this bald dude? He's not." I mean, this isn't Star Trek. You know, there were folks that probably felt the same way about Next Gen, and uh, and I'm sure, and I'm sure. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt fine. you, but I'm sure there are people that felt the same way, especially about Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. It's Space Nine, which is my favorite Star Trek, is so far removed from that pure idea of the original series that I'm sure that there are a lot of people that felt the same way about Deep Space Nine that I'm saying right now about these Kelvin movies. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, Whoa. What's going on? Okay. Um... Yeah, like you're right. There, there are folks that probably, you know, have these these strong opinions. I mean, everyone's got seems to have a strong opinion these days about something. I mean, like someone could probably go bananas over peanut butter or something, and like the type of peanut butter it is. I'm being ridiculous right now, by the way, Eric. If you didn't, I, I, I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. You know that that's that's just everywhere we turn nowadays. Everyone's triggered by something, and it's just it's it's nonsensical at this point. It's and, and sometimes I feel like people have the idea that if like I'm right, and if you don't agree with me, you're just wrong, and you're just terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, you are, by the way, Eric. Like really? Okay. Yeah, I accept that. But I just really hate that attitude that people have. Like, I like something you don't. You like something mm-hmm. I don't. That's fine. We can still coexist. There's room for us. In this fandom. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Are, are you sure? Uh, that's the way I feel. Okay. There's room for us. We don't all have you to know, be kumbaya. I know Star Trek was supposed to be a utopia, everyone gets along, kumbaya, but <laughs> we don't live in the Federation. <laughs> all right, if you say so. I mean... That's your opinion. I don't know if I want to subscribe to that opinion. So, because your opinion's different than mine, I mean, you're wrong. I accept that. Do you? Can you? I can. Okay. All right. Well, uh, you know, we we've had two seasons of um, of Star Trek Discovery so far. We have a third season that's going to be popping up here. Uh, I have no idea when. They haven't even announced when season three is going to premiere. Only thing we... they've, they've 
showed a trailer for it. Though, yes, they? yeah, they, they showed a trailer of it. Um, if it wasn't at San Diego Comic-Con, it was definitely at New York Comic-Con, uh, which I got I got feelings. I got the feels on... on I, I have feelings about that. Let me just say that. Can I process that with you real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I'm not going to become an angry nerd troll or anything like that, but... Okay, SDCC took place, I think, like a week before, maybe two weeks before um, STLV, like the Star Trek convention. Why in the Mm -hmm. world did they have to show the trailer at San Diego and not at STLV when they knew that their people were going to be there? That's a good question. I wish I had an answer for you. Eric, you know... I ask you on here because you have the answers. You know what? I don't have all the answers. (laughs) Some people say that I act like I do, but I don't. (laughs) Well, uh, that's fine, I guess. But like, but seriously, like, you know, any kind of new, any Star Trek centric news, I think should personally, I, I think it should come from, the mecca of Star Trek conventions, which is going to be an STLV or um, maybe around this time of year, um, like later on in the fall, like a destination Star Trek that happened um, just a few weeks ago where we got an unveiling of Admiral Picard's uniform. Have you seen screenshots of that? I, I have not. No, it's pretty swanky, dude. Um, is yeah. It? And it, it has like some major callbacks to, like some season one, season two, um, admiral uniform. So it's got like that, that whimsy about it that you would see from the admirals. Okay. Um, and I think Patrick Stewart can pull it off. I, I, I really think yeah. he can. Um, he, one of his requests, I don't know if you've heard this, uh, make the rounds whenever he was talking about getting ready for Star Trek Picard. But he's like, I do not want to be in uniform this first season. I, I don't want to do it at all. And with him being part of the story writing process, he was like, you know, I think story-wise it makes sense for me to be in uniform for these parts. So there's going to be at least one episode where he's in uniform. Now whether now we know they, they had to have made an admiral uniform for him to put on, but we don't know if he's going to be in also in like a next gen era uniform or, um, you know, a movie, um, era uniform or what, but we do know about the Admiral. So that'd be kind of cool. I mean, what's, what's your opinion? Do you, do you want to see him in one of the old uniforms or does the Admiral uniform that they're showing, does it follow the same, like, first contact era style where it's got the, you know, the gray, it's the undershirt that's colored. No. So, what color is his admiral's uniform? Is it red? It, it's gonna be yeah. It's gonna be a red and um, red and some blacks and and some stuff like that. Um, and if I can find it, um, I'll I'll send it your way um, for you to to look at real quick. And so my other thought is, if it makes sense for the story for him to be in uniform, then he should be in uniform. But the sense that I've gotten from all of the trailers is that the mission he's going on is not an official Star Trek mission. That's that's correct. So it would, so it would make sense for him to not be in uniform. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, and but, but he's also he also left he also left Starfleet too. So it doesn't it wouldn't make sense for him to be in a uniform because he's technically not an active admiral. So it, it's it's got that weird balancing but act. I to could it. see there I could see there being maybe some small flashback scene like when he shows up to to Starfleet command and uh he's about to go on this mission and he's he's asking one of the admiralty and there's like a flashback scene to what happened the last time he was there and when he left so he could potentially be in uniform then yeah. so sharing i'm you know while we're recording him yeah. I'm sharing a little little image with you, and I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll also. I kind of like. I kind of like it. So the it doesn't have the big admiral belt buckle, you know. Yep. The admirals in the later Star Trek, later Deep Space Nine, later Voyager, they had that big fancy belt buckle. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that big fancy belt buckle. <laughs> do you do you want a big fancy belt buckle, Eric? Do I do want a big fancy belt buckle? Okay, so you're reminding me of something, and I don't even know if you'll remember this. Okay, so um, I think it was 2006 or seven was the first time that I went to go uh, visit my mom out in Las Vegas. So my my parents divorced and my mom remarried um, the fall of our senior year, and then she moved to Vegas um, like. A month before we graduated from high school. Um, okay. So the first time I go out to Vegas, um, I know that Star Trek: The Experience is there, okay. and I want to check it out. And you know that I'm going there. And I think I tell you that I'm going to go there. And do you remember what you asked me to try and find for you? No, I have no okay, idea. Okay, yeah, it's been like a decade and a half, so I wouldn't blame you for not remembering. Um, you asked me to try and find some um, Chakotay's um, Commander rank pip set. Oh, the Maquis yeah. rank thing? Yeah. Uh, those are kind of cool. Yeah. I don't remember asking you that, but I did think it was kind of cool seeing those Maquis rank pips on their collars. Yeah, yeah you, you were like, I'm hey. I'm the only person who likes those. Do what? Probably the only person who likes those things. I think they're cool too. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you couldn't really tell what rank somebody had because they were all the same, weren't they? No, I mean they were very subtle, very subtly different. It's just that they had like the, it was rectangular, and they still had like. Uh, Did they have marks for like two for lieutenant mm-hmm. and three for commander? I guess I just never noticed. That it was so small. Yeah. yeah, I mean they they have like the same pip system, but instead of it being. Yeah like actual circles, like circle magnetic pins, like we, we've seen. It was just like colored slashes, like gold and black slashes in this rectangular thingy that you wear. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. I guess I just, it was so small, it's just hard to tell, I guess. I, I got you something. I don't remember what I got you. I think it might have been like, Probably a DS9 Voyager era communicator pin or something. I don't remember, but it's... I do like that style communicator pin more than the next generation style communicator pin. So, I have this. That is the future one. Whenever they did like a flash forward to the future. And you could tell what rank 
fewer by how many bars were behind yes. it. Yes. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. That's the one. Ding, ding. So, um, anyway, we were we were talking about Picard and and this uniform that he's going to be wearing in at least one episode. Have you seen um, any of the the trailers, like the two the two or three trailers that have released for um, Star Trek Picard? Have, yes. What are are your thoughts on those? It looks pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I am really excited to see what is going to happen here because I know that Patrick Stewart wouldn't have come back unless he felt like the writing was up to snuff. And I really hope that's true. Right? I just feel like he's at a point in his life where he doesn't need this and he wouldn't come back unless he felt it was up to quality. Right. And, and I'm really digging the feel of these trailers. I really am. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it. I'm, I'm a. I'm cautiously optimistic about this show. Um, okay. And the only reason I'm more optimistic, is because of Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart being in it, and just how connected. Um, I guess he is to the project uh, in terms of being in the writer's room, being a producer with it and them listening to him in terms of story beats that they're going to take with whatever direction they decide to go. Right. Yeah. And I would imagine that like he has a feel for this character. And if they were writing something that he didn't feel was appropriate or fit, he would speak up and they would listen to him because of his presence. I would, I would sure hope so. I would hope that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it'll be cool. Um, Do we know how many episodes it's going to be? Is it going to be like, it's going to be 10. So like discovery is in the, like the 15 range ish. Yeah. It's, it's right. It's going to average about 15 per season. Uh, So I didn't know if Picard was going to be shorter than that. In which case, the shorter the season, typically the easier it is to keep the quality up the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I think Patrick Stewart at one point said um, in some interview somewhere, you know, this is basically a 10-hour movie. So even if you wanted to binge the thing, you could. But what, what's your what's your take on it um, in terms of... Um, Weekly releases versus binge. Do you have a preference these days for, for shows like that? I have been binge-watching television shows since 2004. Okay. Like, before Netflix really was... A, Netflix existed back then, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really a streaming service. You ordered DVDs in the mail. Yes. But I've been binge-watching shows since 2004. I'm downloading bootleg copies. That's how I watch Star Trek. <laughs> cool thing it's like binging is like a cool thing to do now but it really wasn't back when i started Mm -hmm. and so i like binging shows like i waited to watch discovery both season one and season two until the whole season ended okay so i could watch it in one sitting and i and that's how i watched star trek right Uh, aside from star trek voyager i watched all star trek in the binge format where i just would watch four or five episodes a day like that. Okay. Okay. So with, with Picard, do you see yourself maybe doing the same thing of 
I don't know, waiting for the, the full 10 episodes to drop. If they're not, if they are going to do it like a week to week, like they have been with discovery, do you see yourself waiting 10 weeks before you watch it? Well, that also depends. Cause like discovery, both of its seasons have been broken up into two pieces, right? There's mm-hmm. been like half of the season. They took like a month or two break and then the next half. I know they did that for season one. I don't know if they did that for season two for Discovery. I am. Pre- I think they did. I think they did too. And it's behind this paywall on CBS All Access. But it was really the one thing that you can do is you can sign up for CBS All Access and you can get a one week free trial. <laughs> and it's only 15 episodes and you can watch that in less than a week. Hey, well, I shouldn't be saying this. CBS All Access, don't don't come after me. <laughs> but I think, like, I think I'm definitely going to watch Picard on a week-to-week basis. Okay. I'm not going to wait because I'm excited for this one. I'm a lot more excited for this than I was for Discovery, and I want to watch this one. I really sure. Do. So we were we were talking briefly um, pre-show when we were just hanging out about some of the things that are kind of making the rounds in terms of like uh, like news and speculation relating to to Star Trek Picard. Uh, certainly, we we know by now that Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, uh, Jerry Ryan from like you know both Next Gen and from Voyager, um, and yeah. John yeah. And yeah, Jonathan DeLarco from um, Iborg uh, reprising his role as Hugh. They're all coming back um, in their their respective roles, of course. Um, but the thing that that you and I were talking about is the fact that uh, we we look at '80s and '90s Star Trek, right, and and how the Romulans look, and we also certainly look at how they looked in um you know star trek just 1960s regular old you know william shatner star trek um and how human they looked and then we get to 80s and 90s and they're a lot more green they've got like more uh forehead like humps or something not quite cranial ridges but like protrusions yeah they're it's just like this v thing right and they're more green and you know we see them and how they're portrayed for gosh, what 15 years at least whenever they're making appearances. And then we, we look at the 2009, um, you know, Star Trek movie with Nero and how he looks totally different, but, but totally different, but still recognizable as a Romulan. I think as soon as you see him, you're like, that guy's a Romulan for the most part. Yeah. I felt that. The, the the thing that some people are kind of joking around about on like places like YouTube and Twitter and other outlets that you you like just kind of keep your ear to the ground with this kind of stuff is the fact that that the Legolas character so like the the ninja looking Romulan that you see in the trailers right <laughs> Legolas looking <laughs> we got Legolas in in Star Trek it's not Orlando Bloom though y'all. <laughs> Uh, no, I know you just had the guy on the the Middle Earth guy on. You should have asked him about the Legolas character. That's true. I should have. Well, Phil will be coming back um, 
to record his episode here in the near future. So um, I'll ask him. Why not? Let's. Hey, what do you think about Legolas in space? <laughs> shout out shout out to you phil hope you're doing well man um anyway so you know now um i know you guys can't see me motioning this but eric can as we're as we're chit chatting he's got like this like this like v thing like going like even more intense than spock and other vulcans it's just like these really pointed, pointed eyebrows. eyebrows man like and I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? Like with what they're doing with Romulans now? Listen, if you go all the way back to the original Star Trek and then you track it forward through all incarnations, the only species that looks exactly the same from when they started to where they are now are the humans. Mm-hmm. Every species that we've encountered looks different now than what it did back then. And that's to be expected. I mean, advances in makeup and technology are going to change the look of these species. It's just going to happen. You can't have perfect continuity. And Star Trek is littered with continuity errors. I know there are going to be people out there that, like, they feel like it's their job to go through and pick out the continuity errors everywhere. But it's going to happen. Okay, so you're inviting this on yourself, my man. You ready for this? I'll bring it. Okay, Michael Dorn as Worf. Okay. Okay. Discovery Klingons. They're not. They're not Klingons. They're Klingorks. Okay. So what? What do they do with Star Trek Picard if Worf comes back? Do, do they go with the '80s '90s version that he's known for, or? Do they do a Klingork style makeup on him? Worf is Worf. <laughs> like, you have to look at that guy and know that's Worf. Worf is Worf. He has his look. He cannot look like anything else. Cannot. Okay, but. Except, except, but. Uh, Worf's cranial ridges change from season one and then every incarnation afterwards. Because they lost the mold. I was about to ask if you knew that story, yeah. One and two, I did. So his cranial ridges look different in season one than they do in everything he's been in after that. I think I read somewhere that the season one uh, cranial ridge that he was using, not only was it stolen, but I think it was also ran over. Oh, I didn't know that. That's that's what I think I think happened to the first the first one. So that's why when you get to season two. Um, it's, it's totally different. And for any of you that are are brand new to Star Trek, um, especially as we do this, like kind of a baptism into Star Trek that Phil's going to be doing with us, just pay attention to that. Like take notes or just check it out, especially as we get towards the end of season one and moving into season two, just, you will see how much of a difference it actually is. Yeah, it's different. It's definitely different. I mean, pay attention to it it is something that's easy to overlook because you know it's just like that's Worf and he's got cranial mm-hmm. ridges and you can the idea of Star Trek is you can gloss over stuff like that because we're accepting of other cultures and other species yeah for sure definitely but but going back to this you brought up the Klingorks <laughs> and you 
brought up <laughs> and you brought up what Nero looks like in Star Trek J. James two thousand nine. Yep. When I saw the Nero character in the first trailer, I said, That guy's a Romulan. So to me he was instantly recognizable that way. But when I saw the first trailer for Discovery and I saw this new alien this alien species that are the Klingons in this, I looked at them and I said, Ooh, interesting, new alien species. And then immediately it cut to Michelle Yeoh as Philippa George was saying, Inform Starfleet we've encountered the Klingons. And I was like, Klingons? Those aren't Klingons. Those are the California raisins, y'all. It's like like I was literally excited because, ooh, new alien species. Because mm-hmm. they looked so different. They weren't even recognizable that that was what they were trying to do. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have... Um, I really don't have too much of an issue uh, with advances in how they do it. But I think they're... I want to be careful how I say this. I think there needs to be a certain reasonable amount of fan service that's given um, to where you're respecting the fans, but you're also wanting to do your own thing. And I don't know if that was, if that was like a, a good balance with what they were doing with the Klingons in Star Trek Discovery, right? I mean, I, I know I joke and I say the Klingorks, a lot of people call them Klingorks too, but it, it was... No, it's just, it's too much of a deviation from what we've grown accustomed to since really search for Spock. No, 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 no. Wrath of Khan. The first time we ever saw cranial ridges was in the motion picture, wasn't it? Star Trek, the motion picture. I thought it was Wrath of Khan for some reason. I think doesn't V'ger first encounter a Klingon ship before it enters? Oh, enter- yeah. I barely remember that. You're right. Klingons have the exact same cranial Yes. Ridges. And then later on, they start eat different Klingons to start to develop their own unique ones. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure the first time we see it is in the motion picture, which would have been 1979. So we have this, what? 40 years. 40 years almost, right? Of this is what we're expecting Klingons to look like. Yeah. And I do think it was a very drastic change. Right. Yeah, because we go from them just looking like guys with a tan to, you know, more of like the looking like they're from the band Kiss, you know, with the platform boots and the big hair and and all that stuff. And then, of course, the cranial ridges that were are becoming more differentiated from, you know, house to house and, you know, Klingon type to type, so on and so forth. So, yeah. But, like, also, if you look at Discovery, like, if you look at the Andorians and the Tellarites that show up there, they look slightly different than we have saw Andorians in Enterprise and Tellarites in Enterprise. But it's small changes, mm-hmm. right? Like, the Tellarites have tusks now, and they never had tusks before. Mm-hmm. And the Andorians look slightly different. Mm-hmm. But small changes and i think that's fine because you're trying to create your own thing sure sure now speaking of andorians and tellarites uh we know that they are part of the um the original original squad of like founding planets 
um, and whatnot for uh, for the UFP, United Federation of Planets. Um, when there was a, what was it, the most recent trailer that dropped for season three of Star Trek Discovery, um, there's a reveal um, of of this flag, what we believe, what we are assuming to be the United Federation of Planets flag that's on display in this random office. Um, but instead of it being littered with stars of member planets, there's like, what, six stars? And like most of the founding, like some of the founding planets, bigger stars are gone. So any any thoughts, any speculation about what that might be? I mean, apart from like folks left. I mean, that's kind of obvious. I have not noticed this. I haven't, I didn't look close enough to see this flag. I've never seen it. But Star Trek Discovery Season 3 is going to jump forward into the future. About 900 years, yeah. Yeah, significantly into the future. So you would expect there to be some changes. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a mention in Star Trek Insurrection, the movie, where the main bad guy in that says, the Federation is old. The Federation is not going to last much longer. Ruafo, I think, says that. Ruafu says that. He's like, the Federation is old. The Federation is weak. They're not going to last much longer. You know, so it's it's tough for any political entity to last, what, a thousand years. Yeah. So, I mean, you go 900 years into the future, you, n- you never know what's going to happen. I think the, you know, when we when we think of the shows and just like what we've kind of experienced, and I, I might have some gaps just trying to recall this. Um, I think it was, uh, you know, Star Trek Enterprise, we talk about the temporal cold war. You have, um, agent Daniels, who's, I think from the 32nd century. No, like he's pretty like 20, 30 something. I can't remember, but yeah, pretty far into the future. So we, we have him, um, we go to, um, we look at Star Trek Voyager and we are going to do an episode specifically on like basics of star trek voyager here in the near future for those listening um but there's there's like an episode or two with um captain oh gosh jen don't hate me um god almighty anyways he's um he wears a different uniform but he's still starfleet i think he's in the 25th no uh 29th century captain braxton yes Voyager time travel episode. Yes, Captain Brad. Yes, thank you, thank you. Time ship relativity. There you go. Yeah, well done. You know, you just need to come back and just co-host this thing with me, so that I'm not sounding like a friggin' idiot. How about that? Hey, if that's something you want to do, I'd be interested. Okay, it doesn't pay much. I mean, by by not paying much, I mean zero. Well, you know, money's not everything. The Federation doesn't have money, <laughs> except when it does. It does when it when it makes sense for the plot. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that realized that. <laughs> oh Lord have mercy! But yeah, um, so so we see like these different iterations, uh, maybe not iterations, but these just these different evolutions of of Starfleet, and I'm, I'm assuming the UFP as well, where they've gone more from 
the traditional uh, boldly going where no man has gone before to maybe boldly going back to some, where someone has gone before with all these temporal missions that seem to be um, uh, like an integral part of of the story or, or the advancement of the fleet, basically. But I don't think Daniels was a part of that, that temporal Cold War from Enterprise. He wasn't a part of the Federation, was he? You know, I... I thought he was. Maybe he's just a temporal agent, but I don't... Th- I thought he was just from one f- he, one faction, but I didn't think he was actually a part of the Federation. Maybe he wasn't. I just know that we see the Enterprise J way on down the road. You see the Enterprise J way on, yeah. Uh, but that's about it. But, but I think he's just trying to preserve the timeline. Mm-hmm. And the timeline is the Federation exists. Right. You know, somewhere down the road, and it's been a long road, you know, getting from there to here. Been a long time. Yeah, it has. <laughs> um, wow, that was great. Loved it. I don't know. The first time when that popped on, when I watched the the pilot episode of Enterprise, I was like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. And then, you know. Then it kind of lost its novelty. You know, I liked it since we're going to go down that rabbit trail for a second. I, I really, I, I, you know, if I need to be inspired and just be in a good mood, I put that on. I put the Enterprise season one and two theme song on. Definitely listen to the, the full song version. Mm-hmm. I've had that on a, a CD that I burned. Mm-hmm. Like, I was talking about burning CDs. For you youngsters out there, do you know what burning CDs is? Um, where the heck was I going with that? I, I don't even know. I don't know. We were talking about, oh, the theme song, well, the theme song. Like I like the season one and two, season three and four. No, thank you. I don't like the country. Change it up and make it more up tempo. It was a country bumpkin nonsense thing. And I like country music and I'm like, what is this? For any of you that end up watching Enterprise and you like season three and four, that's cool. Not my bag. You're just talking about the theme song, I'm just talking about the theme song. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, But, you know, we're going to be jumping 900 years into the future. And I don't know what uh, it's going to to end up being. The the thing that does give me um, hope... um, for what they're going to do is hearing from Jonathan Frakes, who we know played uh, William Riker in Next Gen and all the Next Gen movies. He's directed a lot of the a lot of Star Trek episodes himself, including a couple from season one and two of Star Trek Discovery. Um, he has said that season three is going to be taking on a more traditional Star Trek um, optimistic hopeful utopian whatever you know this season so i'm I'm hoping that like um that alex kurtzman and the folks there um have kind of taken into the account the fans voice i know there's a lot of angry people out there um well i think that you think there's a lot of angry people because they tend to be more vocal and you know, I've I think I've said this before on the show, but Discovery's not my favorite Star Trek. It's not my favorite either. Um, 
it's Star Trek. I like it. I don't hate it like other people do. Do I have issues with it? Of course I do. But it's not something that I'm going to say, don't ever watch that Star Trek. That's garbage. That's garbage. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that either. It's not my favorite. And I definitely got some issues with it. But if you enjoy it, then that's okay. Right? And the people out there that are so vitriolic about it. Ooh, fun word. There's no place for that as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and yeah, so in fact, I think it was, um, I was talking with um, the last person that was on the show about this, that we all have different entry points into it. And, um, and as I, as I talk about this, I want to kind of segue into that here, here shortly, Eric, kind of hear about your entry point and how you came to, you know, get into Trek and what kept you there and stuff like that. But we got to remember that it doesn't matter if it's Star Trek, the animated series, if it's JJ Trek discovery, if it's this show, you know, there's, it's going to be different for everyone. And, um, and that's, that's totally fine. So for you all listening, you've heard me say this probably every episode and I'm kind of sorry, I think at this point, maybe I'm not since I keep saying it. Um, but, um, at the beginning of the show, I blamed you for Star Trek. So, um, for, for at least, you know, nurturing it to a certain extent, even though I might've stumbled in it myself, but, um, you know, you, when I say you nurtured it, you, you were there to kind of answer a lot of questions for me to just go back and forth and dialogue about stuff. I mean, we were dialoguing about stuff like even before then, like, uh, you know, with you and I, we used to talk about 24. Yes. We watched the episode. Then we get on aim right after the episodes. Okay. And we, we got talk about 24, all our theories and what we thought was going to happen. Yep. And everything like that. And for those of you that are listening that don't know aim, it doesn't exist anymore. It's way before Facebook messenger, man. AOL instant messenger is where it was at. But yeah, every, um, it, 24 was originally on on Tuesdays when it first aired and then it switched to Mondays and the only the only way I remember that and this is going to sound so stupid Eric but uh, when I was in Troop 106 we met on Tuesday nights and um, I think it was after I stopped after I got my eagle and I you know joined you guys or I was doing like varsity whatever with you guys um, and I became um, a 215 member in earnest, um, I started going, it was Monday nights for, for 215. Yeah. And that's when that's about the same time that 24 switched to Monday nights. Yeah. And 24 was on at nine. Yes. And our troop meetings got over at eight 30. Yes. So you had to like, all right, I gotta leave. I gotta go. <laughs> gotta make it home. <laughs> Cause I, I, we weren't rich. We didn't have TiVo or anything like that. There were no DVRs then. Like, back then DVR wasn't really a big, it was, it existed, but it wasn't, prevalent like it is yeah. now and like streaming video service wasn't prevalent like it is now so like you had to watch it mm -hmm. or else you were gonna miss out because 24 you needed to see every episode yep yep yeah yeah anyway so so yeah that was that was us um in our our high school and college days just going back and forth like 
er, like almost like um, even before blogging was kind of a thing and speculation was like truly what it is now. That's what we did uh, talking about President Palmer and what he's going to do with with um, Jack Bauer and vice versa and how they were going to save the day. Uh, and how much we hated Charles Logan. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Freaking Rick, Richard Nixon of 24. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's that's what really started our our talks of of tv shows back then um and I, I remember having a lot of questions whenever i started watching it um for the most part and you're like hey there's you you might, might not say it this way but like hey there's more why don't you um i have some stuff that you can watch and that's um i think you hooked me up with voyager first uh that sounds right and, and i watched voyager and um, I remember not being interested in Deep Space Nine because I'd see it on TV and I'm like, oh, at the time. Um, and then you gave me Enterprise, I'm pretty sure. And yeah. I, lo- I loved Enterprise. Um, I-, I really enjoyed Enterprise. But I'm rambling. I got to stop that. Um, why don't you just go ahead and take the time and just talk through um, how you came into Star Trek and what that was like, who introduced you, you know, just however you want to go about it, just have at it. All right. So hopefully I don't ramble here because yeah. I have that too. But I'm almost 100% positive that the very first episode of Star Trek I ever saw was Arena, which is an original series episode where Kirk fights the Gorn on that desert. I don't know what the contrived situation was that, but somehow Kirk has to fight a Gorn on this planet. That's what some alien race makes them do. Okay. And I got to believe that I was five or six when I saw this. And I assume it was just my dad. I I know it wasn't my mom who turned it on. So I assume it was my dad who had turned it on probably late night reruns. And I saw this episode that I was just sitting there watching. I was like, this guy's fighting a dinosaur in the desert. How cool is this? <laughs> you know, I mean, imagine a five-year-old kid, you know. You're seeing a guy fight someone in a rubber, you know, lizard suit. You're going to think it's a dinosaur. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, how cool is this? And my dad was like, that's not a, a dinosaur. That's an alien. An alien? What is this? And so I'm sure that my dad had told me, oh, this is the show Star Trek. It was on when I was a kid, you know, because my dad would have been a teenager right when Star Trek started. So I'm sure he watched it back then. Okay. Right? I, wish I, could, I wish I could ask, but, you know, I can't. Um, and so I know I'm almost 100% positive the first episode I saw was a re- and then I know that on those late night reruns, I know I saw Trouble with Tribbles, right? Because I remember thinking those cute, fuzzy little things. <laughs> and I know I saw a piece of the action, right? Because the Fizzbin, right? That Fizzbin scene is like blazed into my mind because I just remember laughing very hard at it still to this day. <laughs> Fizzbin. I, I know I probably watched some more episodes as probably my dad had turned on late night reruns. And I'm certain that I saw maybe an episode or two of The Next Generation on reruns. If I didn't see an episode, I saw that at least that clip of, look, 
Locutus a Borg, and then Riker saying, fire. If I didn't see that whole episode, I know I saw that scene multiple times. Probably the most iconic Star Trek scene ever. But I would say my true entry point into Star Trek, besides from watching a few of those episodes, was Star Trek Voyager. So Voyager premiered in January of 1995. So I would have just been... I would have turned eight years old just after that. And Star Trek Voyager is the first television show. Not first Star Trek show, not first science fiction, but the first television show, period, where I watched every episode as it premiered for its entire run. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So every every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock on UPN, from 1995 till 2001, I was there watching Voyager when it premiered. Because if you missed it, you couldn't. You, you had to hope for a summer rerun or something. Because there was really no way to, or you had to hope someone you knew so you recorded it on VCR, or you knew someone who recorded it on VCR. Because we didn't have streaming video service or DVRs back then. Sure. But I just remember watching Star Trek Voyager being like. Every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., I had to be there to watch it. And I, all 170-some-odd episodes, I watched right there. And I remember, uh, I distinctly remember this, uh, an episode from season four called The Killing Game, which was an episode where the Herogen took over Voyager and they forced the crew into the holodeck to play their games. And that was a two-part episode that premiered both parts on my birthday. And I remember my family coming over and be like, we should go out and celebrate for your birthday. And I was like, no, no, I'm watching Voyager tonight. I distinctly remember that was on my birthday. And that would have been in season four. That probably would have been, what, 2000? Okay. No, it wouldn't have been 2000. It would have been 97, 98. Okay. So Voyager was what really got me into Star Trek. And I'll always have a special place for Voyager because that was what really started me. But the other thing that really got me into Star Trek is the movie Star Trek Generations. Okay. So Star Trek Generations is really the finale of The Next Generation. All Good Things is a is a fantastic episode. I love that episode, All Good Things. It's probably my, one of my ten favorite episodes of Star Trek. But it's not really an ending to The Next Generation. Do you think it is? All, all Good Things? Uh, I mean, in a way, but not really. I mean, if you look at Deep Space Nine, it has an ending. It's wrapped up. Definitely. 100%. Voyager has an ending. It's wrapped up. Yes. But the next generation doesn't have an ending. Yeah, you could, to the show. Properly. You could just as easily um, argue for like a season eight, the way that it, the way that it goes. Yeah. Okay. So Star Trek Generations, the movie, which Star Trek: The Next Generation ended in May of two thousand nineteen ninety four. Yes. Generations came out in November of 1994. 
Okay, so it came out before Voyager premiered, because Voyager premiered in January of 95. Which, by the way, I, I will um, argue that um, that Generations is a Christmas movie by virtue of there being a Christmas treat in it. <laughs> but I remember what we did as a family. Like, my grandparents lived about two and a half hours north of where we were. And my, as a family, we would also go on camping trips up north, right? And if you're from Michigan, up north is where you go camping. Yes. Where are you going? Up north. It's, and it could be anywhere from 50 miles to five hours. You know, I consider up north anywhere north of West Branch. That's just it for me. Yeah, that's about, that's right. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, my grandparents lived about two and a half hours away. And back then... We had bought, my, my parents had bought this small little TV. It was probably 10 inches and it had a built-in VCR. And you could plug it into the cigarette lighter in your car. Mm-hmm. And so my brother and I would sit in the back seat of, our, of the van that we had and we would stick this TV, shove it in between the, the armrests and we would watch movies on these trips, two and a half hour trips up to my grandparents' house. And... That's how our parents kept us calm for the trip. And we must have watched Star Trek Generations a hundred times. I'm not even exaggerating. I that's There's nothing Star Trek that I have seen more than Generations, the movie. And see, I was, uh, um, I was talking to Lisa, who was the, the guest I had on just before you, uh, and she has her own podcast called I Love That Movie. And... Whenever I was on her show um, talking about my favorite movie, it was Star Trek First Contact, which I have quite literally seen over 200 times without exaggerating. How is that possible? First Contact? How is that 200 times to see anything? I, I love it, man. Like, I remember the first week that I got it on VHS, like, I watched it like three times in a day, and I probably did that like five or six times like five or six days the same way wow but like i here i'm saying how could you watch that 200 times when i'm saying i've seen generations 100 times i mean it's probably been like it, it's it's somewhere between 100 and 200 times that i've seen it without exaggeration i'll just put it that way but the thing is generations while you know it came out in 94, so we would have had it on VHS in 95. Like I said, I would have been eight years old. I certainly enjoyed it, and I still enjoy it to this day. But in order to truly understand that movie, you have to have watched The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many things in it that are like important little callbacks. Like, who is Guinan? Right? Who, you know, who are Lursa and Bator? Right. Who who is like, you know, Rene, Picard's brother and his nephew, right? Who are these people? Who is Lore that they got the data, the the emotion chip from? The emotion chip. There's so many things in that movie that are little callbacks to the series that unless you've seen it, you're not going to pick up on all of them and you're not going to understand fully that movie. So while I watched that a hundred times and I really enjoy it and that helped me really like star trek i would not recommend watching that movie until after you've seen the next generation definitely not okay that's fair okay. yeah 
So, you know, I saw that movie Generations a bunch. I was watching Voyager every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. on UPN. <laughs> and then I remember going to the theater. My parents wouldn't let me go to the theater to see First Contact because I was too young. I would have been nine years old, and it was a PG-13 mm-hmm. movie, and it looked violent, and they wouldn't let me go to the theater. They let my brother go, but not me. Jerks. Still a little upset about that. Yeah. Like, well, I can't. I just go with him. They wouldn't let me. But we bought that on VHS, and I watched it a bunch. And I remember going to the theater to see both Insurrection and Nemesis. But then Voyager ended in 2001. And immediately that fall, Enterprise started. Yeah. There was no break, just the summer. And then Enterprise started. And I watched season one of Enterprise, and I liked it. And I watched season two of Enterprise, and I remember liking it. But then, I think they changed what day it was on. Like, I don't remember what day it was on. I remember Voyager was on Wednesdays, distinctly. But I don't remember what day Enterprise was on. But I think between seasons two and three, they changed what night it was on. They changed it to the... So, obviously, I didn't write, I didn't, uh, write it. I didn't view it uh, when it was actually on the air. But I remember reading that they had changed it to the Friday night death slot. Okay. And that's probably what it was because I was on the football team. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think I could watch it. Yeah, the entire time and, we were in high school, you were on the football team, weren't you? Yeah. And then so Friday nights would have been our game. So so seasons three and four would have been junior and seniors of high school. Yeah. So I don't think I would have been able to watch it. And... Season three, you know, is one big story. Yeah, basically, yeah. Right? And so, like, you kind of have to watch the whole thing. And so I feel like I saw a couple episodes here and there, maybe. Maybe I caught one on reruns. But I, like, I didn't watch season three as it was on because life. Yeah, it it tends to happen. And then the same thing happened with season four of Enterprise, Right, I didn't get to watch it. I maybe saw an episode here or there, but I didn't get to watch it because life. And I'm pretty sure you're right. Now that you said that, it was on the Friday night time slot. I'm pretty sure that's right. Now that you said that, yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. So Voyager, so Voyager was a really big part of your life in terms of of your Star Trek life because, I mean, you watched it faithfully for its entire run, and. Um, you know, so, so that ended, you said May of 2001 and that, so gosh, that would have been just a few months before 24 would have aired. Cause 24 was, 24 was originally supposed to air a couple weeks before nine 11, but they pushed yeah. it back because of all the, um, the, the terrorist stuff that was in the movie or in the, in the show. Episode of 24 ends with the airplane blowing yeah. up. Which is now, if you watch now, that's not in there anymore. Mm-hmm. But when, when, it, when it aired, I, I remember watching 24, and when we first saw it, the plane definitely blows up. You definitely see it. Well, well, well. Well, well, yeah. But yeah, so Voyager ended then, and it was a big part. And I remember just every week, I have to be there, I have to watch it. And I really enjoyed it, and it was really important to me. And that's like... How Star Trek started for me. 
And then, you know, like I said, I saw some Enterprise. I watched the first two seasons, but I missed it. And then I went to college, my first year of college. And uh, I, I don't really talk about this a lot, but that was a very difficult time for me. Like, I was going through a lot, like, emotionally and mentally. And, like, I know a lot of people come out of high school and it's like, they feel great. It's like one of the best. They, they have this high. But for me, it really wasn't, like, a great moment in my life. And uh, I went down to college at Florida, in Florida, and uh, I had a really, I really struggled. It wasn't, like, it wasn't a great time for me, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, and so I remember, like, I had just started binge-watching television shows, like, my senior year of high school. Yeah. I binge-watched Stargate, all of Stargate through senior year of high school, and a few other things. And so I remember just being like really, really not wanting to interact with people at that moment in my life. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch Star Trek Enterprise because I missed the past two seasons of it. Yeah. So I went and downloaded seasons three and four of Star Trek Enterprise to watch. And I was like, oh, well, this, this two seasons, it's like, 50-some episodes, this will take me, you know, a couple of months. Took me, like, three weeks. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm done with that. And then I was like, well, you know what? So that was seasons three and four. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go watch seasons one and two. So I watched Enterprise season three, four, and then seasons one and then two. You did shotgun style, huh? It totally, like, back-ass word for like and then and like i said that took me probably five weeks to watch those four seasons right if that and so i was like well i really thought that was going to take longer and i really enjoyed watching it then so i was like you know what i'm gonna go rewatch voyager and this is when i I went and downloaded voyager okay bootlegged onto my computer and i watched voyager and all seven seasons of Voyager took me, like, six weeks to watch. Dang, dude. Right? I know. And, like, I was, going to, I was going to class, too, in college. Were you? Right? And, yeah. And I was doing homework, <laughs> kind of. And then I would just, like, all the free time I had, I was just sitting at my desk watching Star Trek. Okay. And, uh, and then after I got done with Voyager, and it was just, it was really nice to have voyager there because like i said this was like not a great time for me in my life like so mentally and emotionally and voyager just had like a special place for me because it was like the first thing that i ever watched and it was like it was comforting going back to watch it yeah and then when i got done with voyager i was like you know what why don't we keep this going so i downloaded the next generation and i was watching that and i think I was probably halfway through the next generation and that's when I found out that you were watching Star Trek as well. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was at that moment when I was in my first watch of the next generation that I found out you were watching it as well. Right. Cause we were, we were talking then. Yeah. And so I watched the next generation all the way through. Yep. And then I finished that and I was like, well, let's keep it going. 
So I said, oh, hey, DS9 is next. And so I was watching Deep Space Nine. And I remember that summer, 2006, there was NOAC at Michigan State. Yeah. And I was there, and you were there. Mm-hmm. You Were you working at that one? Or were you at, just at that one? I was, at, you- I was at NOAC, yeah. That was the... Uh, so Sunshine was Lodge Chief. I was Vice Chief for NOAC. Yeah. And I was about to, and I was about to become Lodge Chief that fall. Okay. So I remember going to NOAC at Michigan State. And, right, I was still a youth because we were 19 at that point. Yeah. So still, a OA, still an OA youth. But I remember because, like, I had been the lodge chief and I had no more real responsibilities that I didn't really want to like go out to all the training seminars anymore. And so like I went out to some of like the extra stuff, like the ceremonies competitions and whatnot, but I really didn't partake in a lot of the NOAC stuff. So that week when we were at NOAC, I was watching season seven of deep space nine and Steve Cowan was my roommate and he was right there watching it with me season seven of deep space nine yeah. and i finished deep space nine the night the final night of noac before we left the next morning holy cow yeah and then i was like well i got one more thing to go don't i got the original series and so i remember watching the original series like over the rest of the summer and the original series took me a lot longer to get through than all the others mm-hmm. because it just it seemed dated to me at the time mm-hmm wasn't like the same as all the others when i just come through watching this next generation era for sure but that that's my introduction to star trek it probably took me like i say from january to like through july so it took me seven months to watch it all okay and I've gone back throughout the years, and I've I've seen I've done a complete rewatch, like a in a, a air date rewatch where like you know the original series, then the next gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, watch it in that order. But I've also done the chronological rewatch where you do Enterprise first, the original series, the animated series. I've only seen the animated series once. Yeah. And then, you know, the next gen, Deep Space Nine. But I did it where you switch off, like, the next gen and Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. I went online to find the star dates from the episodes. Yeah. And so there's people who put them in chronological order based on the star dates. Oh, Lord. That's intense. Because, well, there's some moments in, like, season seven where the shows are working with each other. That's right. Especially toward the very end when they introduced the Maquis. That's right. Right toward the very end of season seven of the next gen, which would be season two of Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, once the next gen ends, you know, Voyager starts immediately. Yeah. Right? The next generation ended in May of 2000, 1999, 1994, excuse me, mm-hmm. May of 94. And Voyager started in January of 95. So it was literally right away. Right. And Deep Space Nine kind of gets this like redhead stepchild treatment in a certain, to a certain extent because it was like, well, Next Gen's on the air, right? And Deep Space Nine comes around, I think it was like season six. Season six. 
of Next Gen. Chain of Command in the middle of Season 6 is the first ep- last episode of the Next Gen to air before Deep Space Nine starts. And then, of course, Next Gen goes off the air. And then they're, they're and, already starting production on Voyager. So Voyager's now overlapping with Deep Space Nine. So Deep Space Nine didn't really get to have its own thing by it was, itself. It was, on, it was on the air for like half of a season. Maybe like 10 episodes by itself. Yeah. That's it. And then Voyager immediately started. But like the pilot episode of Voyager, they leave from Deep Space Nine. Yes. And like the two series, there is some some little moments where they talk about it. Like obviously the Maquis plays a big role in Voyager. Yes. Well, def- definitely at the well, I mean throughout the whole thing, but certainly at the very beginning. At the very beginning, yeah. So, well, that's that's cool. Yeah. Um, I I love the detail of of what you're what you're saying about like your entry point and like what kind of kept you how it kept you type of thing um by the way i don't know if this is still the case but if anyone wants to show eric some love um you can send him a number 10 can of chocolate pudding (laughs) he so i remember um your term had ended because you you were lodge chief um i think our senior year of high school weren't you year of high school yep so right after we graduated high school you shortly thereafter you go off to florida to do your thing i can i can still remember being at a lodge executive board where we were talking about how to collect um big old cans of chocolate pudding to create a care package for you somebody did i'm pretty sure bev sent me one yeah so and and without sounding too sappy, I just want to just be real with you, dude. Like some of my favorite memories um, of that time was being able to talk to you um, on on instant messenger about just random stuff. I I've, I felt like I was able to really connect with you over twenty four and Star Trek, and it just looking back on it, it it just meant the world to me that we could do that then. Yeah. It was nice. It was nice to have someone to talk to about Star Trek because, like, I didn't know anybody who liked Star Trek. Mm -hmm. No one would admit to liking Star Trek. Like, you could like Star Wars. That was cool. But if you liked Star Trek, oh, that was totally wrong and you were just a complete nerd. And, like, I am a big nerd, but, like, back then I didn't embrace it like I do now. Sure. We're in our 30s. Who cares, right? It was nice to have somebody to talk to about Star Trek Somebody that also watched it, because I literally knew no one that watched it, or no one that would admit to it. Yeah, it was it was just really cool. Like, I mean, yeah, it looked like the Hiltons in space and stuff, but I mean, next gen, of course. But like, it was it was really cool, and you know, I remember Spike TV was at least maybe at the beginning it was advertised as like this as the this man's network so like i felt like part of in a way the network made star trek out to be a little bit cooler just by how they were marketing themselves as a network that it, that uh, i was showing I it on when spike tv started they were like america's only network for men yes yes i remember i distinctly remember that ad campaign yeah for spike tv when it was starting yep and that's really all I watched on Spike TV was Star Trek. Like any kind of Star Trek that I could stand to watch, I watched it on Spike TV. 
and and at that like I was saying earlier and even on the pre-show that they would do it like two or three hour blocks of next gen so that that's how I got through it was, was doing that so that takes some time I mean if you're if you let's say you're just Monday through Friday for two or three episodes right mm-hmm. it's gonna take a long time to get through 170 some episodes but you think about it though I mean if you really do if you're really faithful to watching two or three episodes a day five days a week that's 15 episodes that means you're basically going through a season in like a week a week and a half yeah almost because they're 26 episodes ish depending on the season yeah you're looking at an average of 24 to 26 episodes i think the only one that's not like for the for the next generation i think it's only season two that's not 26 episodes probably but for Deep Space Nine and Voyager, the first season is shorter for both of them. Mm-hmm. And then there are 26 episodes after that. Yeah. If you don't count double episodes as one episode. Yeah. If you count them, which I do, count them as two. Yeah. Yeah, right now, um, you know, apart from what I'm doing with Phil that we talked about fairly recently with what he's going to be doing with, you know, starting at, with Next Gen, um, not only am I doing that, but I'm also, I'm watching on my own next gen over again, uh, in preparation for Star Trek Picard. Okay. Um, sounds like something I need to do too. So, uh, right now I'm on season three, somewhere in season three right now. It's getting good then. It's getting good. Yeah. And that's the thing. Let me, let me ask you if you would agree with this. Um, and this is painting with broad strokes. Okay. Um, would you agree that generally speaking, when it comes to Star Trek television, that the show, the shows typically are pretty rough until you get to like season three or middle of season three. On principle, yes, but I would also say that I think the first season of the original series is the best season. Okay. And it gets progressively, I don't want, it gets less good as it goes. <laughs> around. Right. So for the, the original series, like the first season is its strongest season. The third season is its weakest season because the budget was like slashed almost to nothing for its final season. Okay. But if you go to like your, modern era your phase three or whatever not if i you think of like the movies as phase two um i would agree with that because if you look at the beginning of the next generation the first season Mm -hmm. there's some really bad episodes code of honor code of honor when the bow breaks uh is it called angel one that episode where there's like that planet run by the women yeah yeah, that's a bad episode. Not because it's run by women. That's not what I'm saying. Be careful. But just that episode is just bad. Uh, you know, the naked, the naked now is a blatant remake of a of an actually really good original series episode. Yes, and and we're going to be talking about that. I think um, the episode that we're going to do with Phil, we're going to go through the first uh, three or four episodes. So, I mean, Encounter at Farpoint, that's a two part, which I'm going to count as a one just a one episode for the sake of, of the show that we're going to do. And I think we're going to end up doing, um, 
I think code of honor will probably be part of that first set that we do maybe. So we're going to go through the first four or five episodes when we do that first review. That's a bad episode. You know, let's just hang out with, with code of honor for just a second. And I don't want to spoil like completely spoil it, but you know, I think the story idea is good. I think the casting is what made it really problematic. Though with the racial, yes, I think that's a fair assessment. I think I think had they not made that particular decision, that the that the episode I think would have played a lot better than it did. I think that's fair. And I think you can say that a lot throughout Star Trek that there's some racial issues that it has. Up the long ladder, the Irish one. Uh, Journey's End in season seven with the Indians. Mm-hmm. Right? They, I think there's a lot of things that you can say about that throughout the entire history of Star Trek. Oh, Star Trek, how we love thee. But if I get back to the question about um, does Star Trek not get good until season three, I would say you're probably right. Um, Season one of The Next Gen has some bad episodes. Um, Season one of Deep Space Nine. uh, Deep Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek. Okay. But season one is almost unwatchable. Almost unwatchable. Yeah, the one where they're playing hopscotch in some random, like, gambling game like that was just painful it's called move along home yeah but like season one like its pilot episode is good its second and third episode are decent and then everything in between is terrible until you get to like the last two episodes which are fantastic like the episode duet and then the episode in the hands of the prophets which is where we first meet kai win yes like watch d space nine the first two episodes of that season and the last two and literally everything else in between is unwatchable but i would say then though that voyager actually has a really strong first season i would agree with that 100 percent. i think voyager outside of the original series voyager has the best first season because i think voyager knew what it was from the very beginning like, the next generation, I think, was trying to find its way and say, are we just going to try and remake the original series stories 100 years later, or are we going to do something different? And then Deep Space Nine was like, we're on a space station, we're not on a ship, so we're not boldly going where no one has gone before, where people are coming to us. So it had to really figure out what it was. And there, as I was just watching... Um, uh what we left behind the deep space nine documentary have you seen that okay i have not okay so i would highly recommend it it's probably about 20 dollars on amazon comes in blu-ray i don't think there's a digital copy i'm sure you can find one if you need to um but they where was i eric (laughs) what was i gonna we were talking about you know deep space nine didn't know what it was the next gen didn't know what it was yeah so they were, uh, um, Iris Stephen Bear, one of the, the showrunners on Deep, Deep Space Nine. Um, the showrunner. Yeah, well, you know. He was, oh, okay, yes, he was the showrunner. There were, Michael Piller was in there too, Rick Berman. 
mainly uh, mainly Iris Stephen Bear and, and Michael Piller were the 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 brains behind that show, for the most part. Um, they were talking about you know like how with that show that you had next gen you had voyager where they're boldly going where no man's gone before like you know just like the mission that we hear at the beginning of like most of those opening monologues the boldly going where no one's gone before was the outward and this show's take on it was on the inward with the the character journey that everything was that everyone was experiencing like with this science versus faith kind of thing that was going on like how do we get along with people that that differ from from us and and deep space nine is my favorite because it is more about inward and it's about people and it's not as event driven Mm -hmm. although it becomes very big event driven at the end but even then when it becomes event driven the finale is still about cisco and not about the dominion so I like D Space Nine because it does look inward and is more about character. I I like I like I like it and I don't like it um, when it comes to the finale of Deep Space Nine. The finale of Deep Space Nine is my all time favorite Star Trek episode. Okay. It's number one favorite Star Trek episode. Okay. Of all seven hundred or so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I, it's, it's almost perfect. The only thing that's not perfect about it is Vic Fontaine. God, I hate Vic Fontaine. Really? Yeah. Oh, I hate Vic Fontaine. Okay. Like, th- there's one good thing about Vic Fontaine, and it's that episode where Nog retreats into the holodeck in season seven after his his war injury. It's only a paper moon. Love that. Love that episode. Oh, that's a- episode and that's the only good thing with Vic Fontaine everything else terrible okay okay fair enough again that's your opinion that's my opinion right if you like Vic Fontaine then more more power to you I got I got a tattoo of him on my lower back oh okay (laughs) stepped into that one (laughs) oh man no I like the fact that there's something in Star Trek for everyone, uh, regardless of where you are in your life. There's there's something um, encouraging about just about what they offer and what's you know just in it in general. So, yeah, I mean it's definitely there's a lot there, and I feel like you can find something to enjoy for sure. Right? Like I I enjoy. The character, the diplomacy, the science, the exploration. But if you enjoy more action, that's definitely there. Yeah, you're not going to get that until probably season five-ish? Well, in any show, right? There's there's definitely action pieces that'll, that'll, that you can find. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. I guess I was just speaking specifically about Deep Space Nine, but yes. Yeah, any any show, you can get that. And, you know, there's lots of different things that you can find there. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, if you're listening to us at this point right now, about however long we've been talking and rambling on here, you've found something that you can enjoy in Star Trek, and that's why you're here listening to us. Yes. 
Yes. And if you've been someone that's been around since the original series when it was just called Star Trek, or, you know, you're giving it a shot now, hopefully even just listening to our ramblings, there's been some kind of curiosity that's been piqued or maybe some kind of inspiration to give one of these shows a chance. We don't really care. I mean, Eric, we don't really care where you start. We just want you to start somewhere and yeah, give it a just shot. Start. Give it a shot. That's all I can say is you never know what you might find and what you might like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So we have been rambling for a while and I love the fact that we've been rambling for a while talking Trek. This is just great. This is fun. I'm having a lot of fun. Good. Good. We might actually have to have you come back and, and do this more often then. Hey, if somebody enjoyed this and you want to have me back, I'm all for it. We might have to start a poll um, on, in, the, in the group on if they want, if they want Eric back. You know, if, if Eric, if you come back and you're, you're doing this week after week with me, we might have to promote you to like commander or major or colonel. It depends on if you want a Starfleet rank or if you want a Bajoran rank. I mean, it's up to you, man. You know, Janeway never had a commander as her first officer. Her original first officer was a lieutenant commander. He done died. And Chakotay, and Chakotay was also just a lieutenant commander. Yeah. That's the rank she gave him. So, like, maybe I gotta stick at lieutenant commander. Okay. Oh, again, we can we can do that for you. I mean, we know how to. I know how to make stuff happen. It's it's pretty simple. <laughs> it's like here you go. Here's your rank. Congratulations. Here's my rank. <laughs> uh, uh, let's just have some fun with that for a second. If you if you did, um, would you would you rather be um, first officer of the 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 in show space station? Or of the ship, the USS Vigilant. I like that name, the Vigilant. You like that? Who came up with that? Who came up with that? Yours. That's nice. Yours truly. Nice. I like that because it's like vigilant. I like that. That's cool. And what's the name of our station? Lone Star Station. Lone Star Station. So it's a it's okay. a play on Texas, but it's also a play on us being alone. In space. In space. Okay. You picking up? Yeah. You picking up what I'm laying down? So are we like it's like Lone Star Station, like a backwater station, because like Deep Space Nine was not like an important place when it started. It was some, just some backwater planet. That's why they only sent a commander there, a, a damaged commander who was about to resign from Starfleet. And then Picard, of all people, had to give him a pep talk. It was the last person he wanted to hear from. Very good pep talk. <laughs> Get your crap together or you're fired. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about quitting anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, I haven't really thought about, about that. Um, what do you think? Well, I mean, it depends because, like, some of these star bases are really big. Like, you know, the traditional, like, mushroom-looking star base yep. that Star Trek has? Yep. Like... Those things are huge, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. I remember that episode very early on in the Next Generation where they're going in for like repairs or something, and it opens up and there's just like huge room and they can fit the Enterprise, the Enterprise D, which is enormous. Yes. Inside of 
the space station with like, and they could fit like five of them in there. And it, those like you know those mushroom shaped stations. I don't know what else to describe them. Wasn't wasn't that the? Didn't they just do like a screen grab of um? It wasn't regular one. It was um, Starbase. Oh Lord have mercy! It was in um. Search for Spock, I think. I don't know. Okay, well, good talk. Good talk. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been like Starbase, like eighty-seven or something like that. Yeah, they na- they numbered them. Yeah, they just had names. Isn't Starbase eighty-seven the the trouble with tribbles? Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Starbase one. Hold on. I'm pretty Starbase eighty seven. I feel like that sounds like the trouble with tribbles. Right? It might have been. They they just have like they just use like random numbers and that's okay, right? Well, I mean, yeah. Like, where does one seven oh one come from? I don't know. I was gonna say it's someone's birthday, but no one was born January seventh, two thousand one, when that came out. And like, what's Voyager's registry number? Do you know that? Uh, seven four six five two. I thought it was seven four six five six. That might be it. But anyways, here. Like, random. So that's this is like what I'm thinking of this. Yeah, the mushroom. This mushroom thing, yeah. Starbase One is what we're talking about. So if anyone that wants to look that up, just look up Starbase One. So what was it? you said eighty seven, right? No, uh, the Starbase in the Trouble with Tribbles is K seven. Okay, there you go. I got the seven right. You're you're halfway there, just like Bon Jovi sings about. <laughs> anyway, um, so so yeah, um, we we have a station um, that you guys can all uh, all you listening uh, can just hang out at and stuff. And if we ever need to go on like some kind of long range mission, whatever a long range mission looks like for a podcast. That's what we have the uh, the USS Vigilant uh, NCC eight seven one seven for. Is the USS Vigilant like a runabout, or is it like a bigger ship? So I haven't decided that. Um, I'm leaving that up to the listeners um, to kind of decide on what that is. You know, whether it's a sovereign class, galaxy class, constitu- constitution, constellation. Uh, you know, doesn't matter to me. Uh, I'm partial personally. I'm partial to um, like sovereign class and stuff. I just think they look nice. Same thing with the galaxy class. I think they both look nice. But I, I mean, you could you can make something up for all I care. Galaxy class. I don't know. To me, it feels like it doesn't seem practical to me because it's like so big and top heavy, and it's like not maneuverable. Mm. But it was Starfleet's finest at the time. It was Starfleet's finest. And I even feel like there's an episode where Worf says something like the Enterprise is not like a great ship in battle. But once it sheds its bulk and just goes to like the battle part, then yeah. it's formidable. That That's one thing that we'll have to talk about later on in an episode. But I just thought it was just so awkward. Like, I just, I was like, Ugh. Whenever I'd watch like those early season episodes where they'd have like the separation, and I'm like, yeah, this... they'd have like the big sequence where they were just like, like it took forever for them to like mm-hmm. rejoin. 
Yeah, and I just, I'm like, it looks like a freaking horseshoe that's <laughs> shooting laser beams and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's a laser, I mean, it's a horseshoe shooting laser beams. I mean, who's going to be scared of that? Like, the Klingons, Romulans really going to be afraid of a horseshoe coming at them? Hold on! <laughs> hold on! Wait! <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, the original Constitution class looks like like its nacelles are like toothpicks like stuck into the back of it. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I think the... I don't know. And like the... Well, we, we can... T- you know what? We're going to have to talk about Starship design in a future episode. We're, All right. we're just going to have to do that. Okay? Because like... There's some ugly freaking ships out there that I'm like, what were you thinking? Like the medical ships that just are like the little like round ball at the front. Yeah. Now for any for any of you that are triggered right now, it's okay. It's okay. We don't really hate them. They're just not our favorites. That's just our opinion. Okay. I, I know I'm being like really persnickety about this right now. I'm sorry to all the listeners out there. Persnickety. I like using it anytime I can. Same with asinine. It's a good word. But good word. I'm a big fan. Or um, uh, torpid. That's a fun word, too. I'm not even sure I know what torpid means. So, it's a GRE word. <laughs> okay. So, the only way... I'm, and we're really going off the rails right now. So, um, <laughs> this is what happens when we don't talk for 10 years, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, so... For any of you guys listening, this is almost verging on um, as in Lane right now, probably from Up Talking Tolkien. So, yeah, that I'll tell you about that later, Eric. Don't worry about okay. it. Um, right. <laughs> but torpid. Okay, so th- this is how I remembered what torpid is. A torpedo goes fast. Okay. Okay. Torpid is the opposite of a torpedo. It, it's like a it's a a nicer way. Um, of, of another word that we've probably used in ignorantly, uh, which also means to hinder or to slow down. Okay. So, so to retard that's it's yeah. For anyone else. Yeah. Anyway. So now that we've talked GRE words, here we are. Um, so we've, we've talked a lot of Trek. We've talked about, uh, I mean, we've, we've caught up obviously, uh, or started to catch up. I'm sure we have a lot more catching up to do since it's been 10 years and a lot's happened. Um, I mean, I've gotten married. I have a kid now and you're big time professor. So look at you. Small time professor. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> you're big time to me, Eric. You're big time to me. Oh, that feels nice. <laughs> um, do you, know, as we, as we kind of wrap up today, do you have any, um, I don't know, any closing thoughts, comments, uh, just about Star Trek in general and um, just about anything that we've really talked about. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's anything. I would just say that science fiction has always been about, you know, telling stories about our society that maybe you can't tell in another way. Right? You can create this contrived situation that can allow you to have some insight into society. 
And I feel like Star Trek does that very well. And that's what's kept me coming back to it. And I hope that you can find something that you enjoy in Star Trek. And maybe not everyone likes the same thing you like, but that's okay. Sure. Sure thing. Well, um, Eric, again, thank you for uh, being my victim uh, today. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Like, and I hope that we haven't like run off all the people that there's somebody still listening this deep into this thing. I'm sure there is. I mean, uh, there are some listeners on this that listen to other podcasts that are, that I listen to also that are um, a lot longer than this. Um, there's a podcast that I listen to regularly, which is about three hours in length. Usually the only podcast I typically listen to is Rob has a podcast. Okay. Survivor podcast. Okay. And he'll go on for three hours sometime with his guest. Okay. Right. And so you can get pretty deep into it. Okay. All right. Now, um, if anyone wants to try and connect with you or say hey or anything, um, any ways that they can do that, either with social media or, or otherwise? Um, you've got your Facebook page that or your Facebook group that I'm a member of. You can probably find me through there, Eric Christofferson. But I'm not really a big social media guy. Okay. Like I don't I don't post on it. I don't have a Twitter or anything like that. I'm not the Twitterer. And but yeah, if you want if you feel like you want to message me and you're listening to this podcast and you're part of that Facebook group, you can find me there and you can probably send me something through there. Cool. Okay. All right, Eric. Well, um, again, thank you very much. And um, I guess we'll see if we bring you back as a regular, as a regular co-host or just as a regular guest or something. So, again, thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Chase. You know, as we wrap up, I can't tell you how um, just how how much fun it was to have have my buddy Eric on uh, this. So, again, Eric, thank you so much for uh, for being willing to reconnect and, and just have some fun talking Trek, um, and just catching up on old times. Now we, there's, there's been a lot of news. that has been kind of popping up a lot more lately, um, in the world of Star Trek. A lot of it hadn't come up yet, but what, what I'm probably going to start doing, um, to try and keep up with all the Trek news that's kind of popping up, um, so that, um, it's not too old in terms of like the release schedule. Um, so release schedule wise, um, I think a couple of y'all, um, some of y'all have been asking like when, uh, you know, are you like on a certain schedule or when do you, do you plan on releasing these episodes and things of that nature? Um, the answer is yes, I do have a release schedule that I'm currently, um, using, um, the sevens. So I'm releasing on the sevens. So, um, if you just look at, you know, the 7th, 17th, and 27th of the month, that's what I'm looking at in terms of when I release to you guys. So um, you should be able to plan that, um, plan that out uh, so that you know when to expect it. Um, and if you decide to put this particular podcast in a certain uh, like like rotation schedule like you might have with other podcasts, that's fine. Uh, but I just want to put that out there. So with that being said... Um, what I'm going to um, aim to do um, starting very soon is um, 
it'll still be released um, through, you know, however you listen to it, whether it's on Spotify um, or iTunes or whatever. Um, apart from this main show, like these are the voyages, there will be um, like shorter shows. Um, right now I'm looking at maybe once a week. Um, it could potentially be twice a week, just depending on how much news or how many um, developments might be taking place um, that I'm going to be speaking about. So what will happen is um, um, it'll just be like, you know, um, a Voyages news or, or Trek news um, that you'll see kind of pop up in your in your podcast feed uh, where, where we'll just talk. I'll just talk about uh, any developments that are taking place. So uh, without going in too much detail with that right now, um, some news that has been dropping and developing uh, lately is related to J.J. Trek. And when I say J.J. Trek, uh, that is in relation to the 2009 movies that J.J. Abrams uh, launched uh, with just Star Trek, uh, followed by Into Darkness and Beyond in 2000, uh, I believe that was 13 and 16, respectively. So um, talk about it more later um, in this future news segment, but just to kind of whet your appetite, uh, there's been... Uh, recent news that um, Chris Pine and just the stu studios in general are planning on coming back for another Star Trek Kelvin timeline, we believe, uh, set of movies. So that's pretty exciting for those of us in Star Trek, especially those of you that had your first exposure to Star Trek from the Kelvin timeline movies. So how about that, huh? Uh, so just... There, there's a lot more to that, and there's been a lot more that's kind of been developing in relation to that. So um, I'll expand on that more, um, like I said, in the very near future with these like Trek news segments um, or special shows. Uh, now, patrons will get early access to that um, a couple days ahead of time uh, compared to um, just the regular feed. So uh, if you want to get it early, um, head over to, to patreon.com slash these are the voyages and um, you can sign up as a cadet, which is the lowest tier um, or whatever tier you'd like to uh, receive um, a variety of different benefits um, that come in at each tier. Now, uh, one thing that's been kind of cool um, that happened, again, days after um, Eric and I um, got to connect and, and just chatted up is um, I was in contact with, um, actually let me back up, uh, one of the actors from Star Trek Voyager uh, towards the back half, uh, he f started following These Are the Voyages on Twitter, and um, I was freaking the heck out because it's Echeb. So um, you'll find out about Echeb um, in the back half of Star Trek Voyager if you ever watch it which I highly encourage you to do after this wonderful, lovely conversation with um, Eric uh, on this on this episode. So um, anyways, I asked him like, hey, would you ever be interested in uh, coming on the podcast and just having a conversation, talking Trek? And he direct messaged me at one in the morning and he said, yes, absolutely. Get some more followers on your Twitter and I'd be happy to come on board. So this is my challenge to you as listeners and for the people that you know. If you would like to have Echeb, 
the character Echeb, the actor that plays him, to come on to this podcast, what I would like for you, what I'd like to do is challenge you guys, encourage you guys to like, um, to like our, our social media um, stuffs. Okay, so head on over to Twitter, our Instagram, um, and Facebook pages, and give them all likes, thumbs up, stump, stuff like that. Um, and also get your uh, your friends to do that also. I'd love to be able to get um, uh, several hundred followers um, before we we, re- we approach him and and get him to you know seriously consider coming on to the show. That would be fantastic and I, I want to do that for you guys, but I need help. So if you get, can really help me out with this um, so that we can not only um, just, you know, connect with more people, but so that we can do something really cool like this and talk to an actor that was actually on a Star Trek show. This would be fan freaking tastic to to learn some like more insider behind the scenes type of stuff, get his perspective on stuff that was going on in Star Trek Voyager. I mean, that would just be be so stinking cool and I want to do it for you, but I need your help. So what do you say? Can you can you help a guy out? <laughs> Don't make me beg. I mean I feel like I am right now, but uh, but seriously, if, if if you guys would help me out with that, um, especially like with with our Twitter and our Instagram, go ahead and give it a like. Um, in fact, uh, also send send in your your Trek stories, okay, so that we can uh, feature them in an upcoming episode of These Are the Voyages. Now, um, I know I had mentioned it at the at the beginning of the episode, but I want to remind you again that there are ways in which that you can contact us. Um, and interact with us. Okay, so uh, if you want to get a hold of us and contact us and and um, let us know what's going on in your world, if just share reactions, share how Star Trek has impacted your life um, and things like that. Um, just open hailing frequencies. You can send us a note by um, by uh, by going to by typing in. Uh, coordinates trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice only transmission by entering in 817-752-4757. Again, that's 817-752-4757. Just remember that uh, there's a three minute limit and your comments may be used on a future episode of These Are the Voyages. Now, if you'd also like to send in a long range communication, such as a package or a letter, you can do that by uh, by entering in coordinates PO Box two four five five Azel Texas. That's A Z L E seven six zero nine eight. Bajorans, Trill, Andorians, Vulcans, whatever you are, thank you so much for being with us today and listening to this episode. Um, as always. I pray that you will always boldly go and make it so. 